That's a dreadful call and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. It didn't take long for another Premier League season to wrap back around, but we've got the 2020-2021 English Premier League season kicking off this weekend, starting Saturday with uh, Arsenal uh, going to Fulham. Uh, we've got Liverpool hosting upcoming Leeds, Tottenham and Everton in uh, probably the most mouthwatering game of the weekend. Uh, and then to finish off the week, Brighton versus Chelsea on Monday evening. I'm Alex here with Javier. We're going to do a quick little uh, mini season preview, um, though it's kind of tough to do because we've only had about a month of off season. And the transfer window obviously isn't going to be closed until early uh, October, about a month from now. Other than Chelsea... I feel like the meat of the window has yet to come for like all the other teams. So maybe Sheffield. How pissed would you, how pissed would you be if we just kept buying? <laughs> you guys just kept buying the rest of the window, right? <laughs> and everyone else is just sitting there, like doesn't make any signings. Chelsea makes ten different signings. You're just like, what? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> I mean, I don't think Chelsea are done. Uh, we, we'll talk about them in a second, um, but. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about some kind of recent transfers before we uh, discuss like the season preview. Uh, I mean, there's been like uh, specific clubs in general that have wrapped up numerous deals over the past week or so since we uh, last recorded. Uh, you know, Newcastle went out and got uh, what's his name, Lewis? Is it Jam- uh, Jamal, Jamal Lewis? Lewis the they left also back, got the Northern Irish left back, uh, who's like 21 or 22. They also 22. got Ryan Fraser, uh, they, Callum Wilson, and Jeff Hendrick, all. Pretty good signings. Like yeah. I wouldn't. We we talked about Jeff Hendrick on the free, but then the other two signings, uh, Ryan Fraser was definitely on a free because his contract was up, and then Callum Wilson. I'm not sure. I don't think the amount has been. Fraser released had, yet. I think, a year left. Maybe no. Fraser Fraser's deal was done. That's why he wasn't oh, gotcha. playing. Uh, in, oh, you're uh, right. You're restart. right. He didn't want to keep playing in the restart. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that's but, those are a couple of moves that you could kind of pick at because again, Callum Wilson and Ryan Fraser didn't show up for Bournemouth last year after both having amazing seasons the year before. But there's uh, there's a good chance that Steve Bruce, after that excellent first season at Newcastle, there, where he defied all the odds and um, and made them into a very respectable uh, mid-table team, uh, he could absolutely uh, use a couple of those pieces to improve the squad. He, he needs goals desperately, and if he gets the Callum Wilson that was scoring uh, 10 to 15 goals uh, about, on average, uh, a season for Bournemouth, then... He's, he's got a very good uh, player to partner alongside Joe Ellington and Miguel Almiron. And then Ryan Frazier, of course, is very capable of providing assists when he's actually motivated and playing. So uh, that, that those are very good buys for Newcastle, and they didn't have to break the bank to do them. So, uh, I mean, I think their their ceiling or their, their expectations would probably be about mid-table this season again. Um, would you say that's accurate, or do you think they're in for a relegation struggle this no, year? No, I because that's I, what we picked them yeah, for. Yeah, I feel last like they're going to be relatively safe this year. I think these signings are all pretty ambitious. Um, you know, like you said, Callum Wilson, Ryan Fraser, two years ago had fantastic seasons, and 
we could really uh, Jamal Lewis is a very young, uh, very good right back, and you know having him at right back, Danny Rose at left back. Uh, he's a no. He's a Jamal Lewis. Is oh, he's a left, a left back. back. Okay, well, I guess he'll he'll provide yeah. competition for Rose then. But Danny Danny Rose was on loan from Tottenham, and he's back at Tottenham. I'm pretty sure. I think they signed him. I don't I don't think he was on loan. Uh, well, in January they loaned him. The only reason I know that is because I just watched oh, that docu- gotcha. okay. the Tottenham okay. documentary. Huh. Uh, I'm not sure where Danny Rose is going right now. He, uh, I doubt he's going to be back at Spurs. If you've seen that documentary, you'll know what I mean. <laughs> him, and, him and Jose have pretty strong words for each other. <laughs> so, But yeah, it's not going to be at Newcastle. But yeah, those are nice signings that um, a club with their supposed little means uh, it was able to get in. What was one of the other clubs that we were talking about? I mean, Everton, we uh, yeah, discussed I was gonna say, a Everton, few of the, I mean, the rumors. Hamas and Allen became official and those are two big signings, I think, for, for Everton showing their intent. And then, I mean, Abdoulaye Decore for, I think, around £20 million. Pounds, I honestly would have taken him on Arsenal. I think he's a great midfielder. I mean, he's not like he's not going to win you the title, but I think he's probably good enough to be in like a top six side. And I think they just bought an entirely new midfield, right? Hamas, Allen, Decore. There's going to be a very different look to that Everton side, and you know you got to think that Calvert Lewin and Moise Keane are going to get a lot more chances this season. So I I, I like what Ancelotti's doing. Um, I think he still has to go out and make a couple defensive signings because that was also a problem for Everton. Um, I don't think he's happy with like his center backs and and the aging wing backs that he has. But um, I mean I guess Digne's not that old, but uh, the other wing backs that they have are pretty old, and. Uh, I think another one that we mentioned was um, the Fabio Silva, the Fabio Silva Wolverhampton oh, well, signing. Just real quick, oh, on, yeah, you want real quick on Everton. Um, I, I'm interested to watch how that midfield pairing sort of gels because I I don't know if uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's going to be like a strict midfield three with Allen and Decore sitting deep and then Hamas Rodriguez just directly in front of them as the central floating sort of creative player. I think it's probably more likely you see them stick with the two up top and use either uh, Calvert-Lewin and uh, Richarlison as the two up top or Calvert-Lewin and Moise Kane as the two up top and then sort of play these two inverted uh, attacking uh, midfielders in James Rodriguez on the right and either Sigurdsson or Bernard or Richarlison himself on the left. And then play that. But, but if you play that, then all of the pressure to maintain uh, like solidity is on that midfield two of Decore and Allen. And while I think Allen's very capable of being mature and not always bombing forward and not getting caught up and getting himself forward and involved in attacks, I think Decore is kind of a he's kind of an attacking whore. You know, he's 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 got the build and like the work rate and profile of like a of a box to box, but kind of more defensively minded midfielder. But sometimes he, you think he kind of forgets that. And he thinks of himself as, you know, Paul Pogba, that he, he should be the one like driving things forward. And, you know, it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing with him. Sometimes it's great. And sometimes it just like doesn't work and he loses his head. So it's up to Ancelotti and for Decore and Allen to kind of figure out how that's going to work, and I'm I'm really interested to see how it how it how it does because, I mean, the ceiling for this team now is maybe a Europa League push if they really figure things out. I, I'm not going to predict it, but it's uh, it, with with the kind of signings they've made, they put the intent out there that we should be at least challenging for Europa League. You know, 
So I'm very intrigued to see how that works out. But yeah, you want to talk about Wolves and them signing uh, Fabio Silva, who's like an 18-year-old center forward for Porto. He's only scored like, I think, one goal in the league and then two goals in the cup. So this is... Seems like it's a signing for the future. He, he was about to be. He was about to be Porto's center forward in the Champions okay. League. Well, like they were. It about feels to be like starting. you know this is a preemptive. We're going to lose Jimenez in a year or two. I think United made a bid for him this year. They've, they're probably going to hold on to him for this summer. But if he keeps up his you know statistics, I'm sure someone bigger is going to come in for him because he's you know he's a big center forward. He's quick and great in build up. So you got to think that this Fabio Silva is a replacement for a year or two. I'm sure he'll get some minutes off the bench. Um, I don't think he'll have immediate impact. And um, I think the other one that, I mean, we can tie this into Spurs afterward, but losing Matt Doherty is going to be pretty big for them. I was not expecting them to lose yeah, him. There's been some, there's been some weird rumors about who's going to fill in there. I mean, they played Adama Traore out there, but I don't think Adama wants to play a full season as a, a right wing back. Like that doesn't seem like, he seems like he considers himself as more of a forward than a right wing back, even though he can play there. Uh, there's also some other rumors of like a Scottish fullback, something Burr. Uh, but I, I haven't seen any of him. I've just seen Wolves fans say that he'd started at right wing back or played a couple of preseason games there. So uh, there's some unknown players that are still in the role for the full time right wing back spot. And who knows? Uh, Tom, uh, Wolves might go out and sign someone. So. Um, they probably should have allocated that $35 million they spent on Fabio Silva uh, towards more of a position of need like, like right wing back. But um, instead, they, try, they tried to sign him so that they could get their hands on him before he had his breakout season at Porto uh, and ended up with a, a $70 or $80 million price tag next summer. So, uh, I mean, it could flop. It could not pay off for them. But, you know, you got you, you to gotta hand it to them. They're using these, uh, these Jorge Mendes connection uh, about as well as you could possibly dream to because uh, now they're front line they've got Jota they've got Podence who I, I think we saw flashes of a good winger there who are both I think they're both about 21 or 22 and now they have Fabio Silva so these are all the players that could potentially feature in the Portuguese national team uh, in the next five years or so so it's uh uh, a very promising uh, like signing, the individual signing of Silva, I, I think. Um, but yeah, let's use that to segue towards Tottenham because I, I think it, it's it's happened, but we just kind of glossed over the fact that Matt Doherty went to uh, Spurs. We talked about Pierre-Emil Hoiberg uh, going there to sort of revamp the locker room and uh, provide more leadership that Mourinho uh, needed. But Doherty is just going to be uh, another more reliable option uh, that's not Serge Aurier. Well, I feel like they're going to Aurier was like they're going to try to maybe move on Aurier. I don't know. Um, they did just get rid of Kyle Walker Peters. He was just sold to Southampton, so I don't know if that's you know they're going to that's going to be competition for him. But I don't think Aurier is going to want to sit on the bench. So you know it's, it feels like Matt Doherty's coming in to be the starter there, and he's definitely going to be an improvement on Aurier, right? Like defensively, I think he's better, and offensively, he's probably just as good and definitely offers you a lot more on set pieces. So I think it's a really good signing for them, one that I did not see coming at all. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, maybe this is just a, a Mourinho thing. Maybe Mourinho has kind of changed his transfer ethos. But it, it doesn't like none of these signings feel like the typical big marquee Mourinho signing. You know, we saw the, the, the first real window we had at 
United, he went out and he got Paul Pogba and Slatan Ibrahimovic and uh, like two very big personalities and big players to kind of like cement his uh, mark on the team. He's had his chance to do that a little bit with Steven Bergwijn and I guess Jetson Fernandez in midfield. But these two signings of also, oh, I think he made Lo Celso permanent in January, right? Yeah, but, but so Lo Celso was always going to okay. be permanent. Like that when they first loaned him, it was like with the obligation to buy. But I don't know. I, I, I'm thinking maybe this is a sign of improvement for Mourinho, and that he he realizes now, oh, I don't need to sign these big marquee players. I just need good quality characters in my dressing room who are more reliable and have a more uh, warrior-like spirit. And if that's the case, then you know, I I kind of like the signings. You probably would have wanted like one more. Uh, like a center forward or something. I, I don't think they're Kane done. Goes down again. I do not think they're done. They have that Amazon money. Yeah, come on, they're going to sign some. <laughs> Get the they're going to sign. They're going to sign a couple money. more players. I'm sure they got paid a lot we'll of money see. to do that documentary. Well, well, well uh, okay. I don't think it's going to be that much though. Um, I, I think the payment to the club is in the form of exposure. That's the main uh, payment that they get. So the final team, when uh, you talk about transfer windows in 2020 that you have to mention is, of course, Mike Chelsea Football Club, who went out and finally secured the uh, signing of Kai Havertz, the 21-year-old German uh, attacking midfielder slash right midfielder slash uh, center forward. He's uh, an absolutely game-changing signing, probably probably one of the best young signings that we've had since uh, Eden Hazard in 2012. He's a player that we've kind of been talking about in terms of like, well, we expect him to sign for weeks and weeks and weeks now. At the same time, that still didn't diminish the feeling of joy when the news was finally dropped last Friday. I think it was like Friday evening uh, that we'd, we'd finally gotten the, the deal uh, over the line. So I think I teased early on, early on a couple of minutes ago that, you know, Chelsea might not be done here. There's been rumors that we're going out to get a goalkeeper to compete with uh, Kepa uh, in Edouard Mende from uh, from Rennes in France, who's 27 or 28 years old, and we'd sign for about 20 million. Um, but if we did stop our signings here and uh, finished with, how many was it in total? Five, six? Yeah, if we stopped after these six signings, Timo Werner, Hakim Ziyech, Ben Chilwell, Malang Sar, Thiago Silva, and now Kai Havertz, you, you have to be on cloud nine if you're a Chelsea fan because uh, the main identity for this team that uh, we've been trying to shift towards or the style that we've been trying to shift towards for uh, two years now uh, since Sarri was manager the year before last uh, we haven't been able to live up to it in terms of like the goal scoring and uh, and chance uh, taking output. We create we've created more uh, chances, more quality chances than anyone in the league other than Manchester City and Liverpool these last few years. And yet we had one of the worst uh, percentages in terms of like taking those chances. So obviously, Timo Werner we talked about goes a long way to fixing that, but. If you looked at like the spread of goals, we were missing a lot of goals from midfield last season. And, you know, we made up for it in other areas with Willian and, and Pulisic and Tammy Abraham. But uh, for a, a full swing attacking team to, to, to work, you need threats from all areas. And Kai Havertz adds that little bit of extra quality and ability to drift to different areas and take up different roles. 
that will give us that extra punch from midfield alongside with Mason Mount. I'm so excited to see those two play together. That I think this signing, the uh, Havertz signing, 100% wraps up top four for us. And I think if there's a bad ch- start to the season, there's going to be a lot of questions about, you know, how good are these players? Like, there's going to be a lot of pressure on them right away to start well and not be, you know, five or six points outside of top I think, four. I think it's in pretty pathetic o- that uh, Chelsea Football Club, who supposedly try to call themselves one of the biggest teams in Europe, which are not, um, goes and spends two hundred and fifty million pounds, and your goal is top four. You know, it's 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 pathetic yeah. because well, that, that should that goes a long way to showing like the gulf between you know Liverpool slash Manchester City and the rest of us. Well, well I was going to say, I mean, but like with with, with it's still a very with young one or team, two man. signings for Arsenal or for Manchester United, you can put them in the conversation for top four. Uh, I, like the fact that Chelsea have to go out and spend two hundred and fifty million, and you're still not trying to say that you're a title contender. You're not aiming to be title contenders means that you know that you're not going to win the league with Frank Lampard. You know he's not a good enough manager, or maybe he needs more time. Maybe he needs four, five, six years. Ah, easy there. Easy there. You're, you're okay. I get it. You're trying to... No, I'm not. I get I'm not. It. I'm just saying... It's great. I'm just saying, no, if the, you the sign is, all of these players, this is your best window ever. If you have the best window ever, like, if Arsenal signed all of these players... I, I'd be going crazy. Like, I don't know. But, like, Chelsea fans, obviously, you guys are trying to temper expectations, trying to say, oh, you know, like, but you go out and oh, no, spend this money. Oh, no, those ones are out there. They're, they're, I've seen plenty of Chelsea fans out there who are 100% saying we have to challenge for the league now and anything less, Frank should be fired. Well, I, don't, I don't know if Frank should that, be fired, but that, that just seems like for, for win years, you the league. for 15 years, we were the reactive club that spent big, backed our manager, and then if the manager didn't deliver on it, we would fire them prematurely. I had the feeling, and I still have that feeling, that since the transfer ban, since basically basically being forced into, with a gun to our head, investing in the youth movement, and, you know, seeing relative success come from that, you know, still getting top four when no one was predicting us to, like myself included, uh, from going from there to, at the end of this past season, figuring out which players are the dead weight that aren't going to help us progress and get better. Players like Willian, Pedro, still to be determined who else. It could be Emerson, maybe even Jorginho. There's uh, plenty of rumors uh, going around about most of the players that were in the squad last season. Uh, It's such a volatile situation that with one injury here or there that, you know, that could throw the season into complete disarray. And all of a sudden we're spending the latter half trying to scratch ourselves back into top four. If that's the case, it would be a disappointing season. And I would kind of understand if people lose faith in Frank, but he's still a third year manager. And this is the first time he's been given this big of like a transfer kitty to go out and basically play fantasy football and get whoever you want and build your team and go out and do the damn thing. So there's growing pains, not just for the players, the young players like Havertz coming into the squad in a new league. But there's there's growing pains for Frank Lampard to try and take on. And I think we'll do well, but I also think the golf and class and the, the between us and Liverpool slash Man- Manchester City it's still a very big gulf, you know? It's, there's like 30 points between us and Liverpool. You expect us to make up 30 points in one season? I expect us to take steps towards making up that, but I don't expect it to happen this season. So if we're still in like with a sniff for the, the title in like December or like even January, 
that'll be okay because the title was over in November last year. You have to keep you have to keep remembering that. You have to keep re- reminding people of how dominant Liverpool were last year. Or else, you know, you you get caught up in like all the hype of manager mode FIFA signings. All right, Alex. Uh, so. All right. After my little needling, my little fun that I had. Now, now I'll give you the the praise that's deserved here. Uh, first of all, I'm very very jealous of the Kai Havertz signing. None of the other ones particularly bothered me. I mean, I, I would. Timo Werner bothered you. Timo, uh, we have, Timo we have Werner great strikers you. already at my club. I I don't I don't need no, no. Timo Werner. I, okay, I'm not I'm not saying for your team. I'm saying. Timo Werner fulfills a need for sure. Chelsea that sure. every other was, fan base uh, should be like, it, God it, damn it, they got a It gave me a little German bit of a, an inkling of, you know, yeah. But Kai Havertz very much bothers me because he is probably one of the top five players um, in, like, the U21 sphere, you know, up there with, I, I, would, I would not say, like, Mbappe, but, like, Usman Dembele and, um, you know, Jao Felix. Felix and Upamecano, you know, for for defenders and you know just that level of 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 player maybe maybe Jaden Sancho. Sancho. I think him and Sancho are about the same level. No, I think Sancho's a little better. And you know how highly but I think of maybe like Jaden yeah, Sancho, Vinicius Junior, players like that, players that almost any team in the world would be happy to have them in their in their team for a long time. And he is very, very versatile. He can play in center midfield. He can play left or right wing. He can play behind the striker. He can play center attacking midfield. So I think wherever he plays for Chelsea, he's going to be fairly good. And I think having a player with that much versatility, he can play center forward. Like, you know, he can be he yeah. can be in a pinch if Werner's out for a few months. I'm sure he could see he could play up front. So these are all things that are very, very positive for Chelsea. And I think if you have a player like that, you have to be aiming higher than just, oh, we'll be happy if we make top four this season. Like, I think you should be getting... No, no. I think you should I, be I trying know. to I'm get... Saying, I was saying that signing At least 80, 85 four, points. Like, that's, like uh, maybe not 85. Not, I didn't say we should be happy with top four. I said that signing just wraps up top four. We're like, that's... 100% like it's an expectation if you get anything less than top four it's like a disaster Ch- Champions League quarterfinals at least and like deep runs in the cups like I, I don't know I, I feel like it's not like like you should be aiming to at least win something yeah. oh yeah yeah 100% and, and making cup. a deep run in the Champions League you 100% have to have that. to like do well in the group stage and like, it's not just like making top four that's not enough for what I think you guys have spent and for where you guys but, but when you say that, do you mean if that doesn't happen, Frank Lampard should be so like sacked? Well, I think if you're the type of team that that Chelsea is, unless we get into like a relegation zone. Yeah, I just think that the, the 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 amount of money you guys spent, you guys have to have bigger expectations than top four. I think it's like, I think it's like inge- disingenuous that it, like I feel like if any team in the Premier League spent that money, like they would be minimum minimum for them would be top four. Like if you go see Crystal Palace spend two hundred and fifty million. I'm going to be like, they're going to make top four. You know what I mean? If they get all these players. Well, no, well, okay. So I guess I haven't mentioned yet that, you know, Chelsea do have like a three-year plan that this is year two of. And by year three, they wanted to be challenging for the title. So Chelsea have said themselves, you know, year two, we have spent all this money. But this is but year two is because of the transfer ban phase one for the new signings. So there's expected to be more new signings next summer to fill out the parts of the squad, mainly defensively, that we kind of analyze from this season are are missing from Chelsea becoming a title winner. So uh, we're, we're doing the slow burn way like uh, like Liverpool did. You know, they, they, 
they weren't just an instant success when Klopp walked in. He walked in in 2015. They, they never and, spent 250 million pounds in one window. No, they didn't. Uh, they, they, w- they spent they, 75 on Van Dijk, on Van yeah, Dijk. or they spent 30 on Mane, 30 on Salah. They didn't go and spend yeah. drop massive money on 70 million on Allison. So about like 140 million sure, on but that, two very that important was, players. That was when they were from the funds raised from by Coutinho, and you know I was about to say that was Chelsea, after they sold uh, a huge player. I mean, I guess you guys are using the Hazard money. Yeah, we we sold Hazard, but then we also had a full win- two windows where we didn't spend any money. You know, the last player we signed before Hakim Ziyech was January of 2019. You know, so. Uh, yeah, we we had some money backed up so that we uh, could would throw out. So it looks ridiculous, but I don't think it's that ridiculous. Um, so let's I'm just uh, saying. Let, let's jump on let's jump on yeah. some actual like predictions, just real quick. We won't debate them too much, just to get them out there. Who do you think's winning the league this year? Well, it's hard to say because, and I don't want to do any like these aren't my actual predictions because there's there's still a month left in the window, and I can't I can't make predictions until you know we see a few games, we see what what the there's going to be a lot of big signings left, I'm sure, this summer. Um, but I think if Manchester City end up getting Koulibaly, uh, it's hard to predict him the window. I feel like this might be Guardiola's last season. I'll make it easier. I, I'm uh, I'm picking. Uh, I mean, I'm going to pick Man City. I'm not confident of it either, but I'm willing to put my money on. Uh, well, no, I'm not quite willing to put my money on, but theoretical money, I'm willing to put it on Liverpool experiencing some form of burnout. I know they went out and they got the backup left back, but I fully stand by the fact that you need to not not only right after you win a league title, but just you need to make a common theme of, you know, refreshing the, the squad a little bit. And I know that there are some rumors that Wijnaldum might leave and Thiago might come in, but as it stands, September 9th today, they those things haven't happened. So if they have the same team to go through this season and uh, they're going for Champions League again and all that, I I kind of expect City to go out and get, if not Koulibaly, then someone else that will really boost their defense. And I kind of expect City to be back like, back like the freaking Empire in Star Wars and just destroy everything in their path. So I do expect them, if they uh, do get Koulibaly, I think City would win the league. But I think if they don't get someone that level in their back line, then I, I think Liverpool will win the league. So I think it remains to be seen for me. Okay. Uh, for the rest of the top four, because uh, I'm, I'm assuming we're both saying City and Liverpool are in our top uh, four at least. Yeah. I'm probably going uh, Chelsea third, and then, yeah, yeah, it has to be United fourth. I mean, the one big concern I have for United is still the midfield because we talked about it when they signed Vanderbeek. It's not the most uh, natural uh, fit for Vanderbeek, Bruno Fernandez, and Pogba to play together in a three. Um, but if they can figure out some sort of rotation of that, where two of those three play and uh, Matic or McTominay or Fred takes up the third spot, then yeah, that could be a, a very good team. But then you also kind of worry about. The, the lack of other signings. I was going to say, like, their defenders, if they, not, if they don't Rashford. get a defender, um, they have a very injury-prone front line. I, I think but Arsenal remember, will make top four just before, if, if... So you're picking Arsenal. Okay. Yeah. If we get one of Thomas Partey or um, Hasim Ouar, there's a small possibility we get both. But I think if we get one of those two, um, just the way that Arteta has transformed this team, the way he's been having us play, the way that... 
our, our top six records kind of completely flipped where we've beaten everyone in the top six in the last few months under Arteta. And I think that that was something that eluded Wenger for over a decade, you know, since like 2006, he wasn't beating teams that were above him in the table. I, I, ex- I expect that to change this season. I mean, I, I think of that as more of like an Arteta gimmick that he was very smart to come up with and execute. But, you know, you, you can't, he won't be able to just be able to just continue to trot out a 3-4-3 and hit people on the counter Every, and not expect some sort of adjustment. Everything that I've heard from people in the game, uh, other players, other coaches who have been around Arteta is that this guy's a genius. Like, Guardiola has suffered a lot since he left. Um, there's been numerous clips of, like, Arteta coaching Guardiola in the middle of games or players at Manchester City saying how good of a coach he was. Um, and it's been evident by the massive increases in, uh, you know, seeing players like Mustafi or Xhaka or, you know, bringing out Bukayo Saka. Just so many players on Arsenal that you never thought would rise to the level that they are so quickly. I think given another, a full entire season, um, especially if he gets a couple other more, more signings that we're looking to get, then, yeah, I, I believe in Arteta. I think he'd get fourth place, so... I, I, it's almost you like really a coin flip for me. You think you're better than Man United? You think you're, you, you really I think, think our manager is Man a lot United? better than, than their manager. And I think that player... That I would agree I with. Think player I, wise, think team is. I think player-wise, they, they might have a slight edge. But I think also having two new center backs for us, um, they might take us a few a couple of months, two, three months, to really get that like back line sorted out. But I think once we do, Arsenal's going to look completely different. This isn't going to be the Arsenal that you thought that you saw last season, the last 5, 10, 15, like it's going to be a completely different team. Having two new young center backs who are hungry and, and uh, 1-6-3, 1-6-4, we haven't had that height in the team. Just having steel in midfield as well, if we get one of OR or, or Partey, I don't know. It's going to be, I think we're going to get Partey. I, I, I'm fairly certain on that one. I think OR is going to be a lot harder to get, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a, take a coin flip on us and, and say we're going to finish fourth. I took a long pause that I most likely edited out afterwards when I was thinking of my fourth team, and I honestly did not even consider Arsenal. Um, yeah, I'm sure you were considering, considering like Wolves, United. I no, I was Leicester. considering United and Tottenham. Oh, Tottenham, United yeah. and Tottenham, because Mourinho's kind of he's not changed my mind about him, but for the last like probably the last two years, like the end at Manchester United and the, the this first season at Tottenham. I kind of have thought to myself, uh, it's Mourinho's past it. He doesn't really seem like the the same manager. He's not really able to communicate his ideas to his players anymore. I still think that to a degree, but from watching the first six episodes of this Tottenham thing, and again, I know it's edited a certain way, uh, and in specifically to this season of it, it's very well understood that Mourinho is the star of the documentary itself, so he gets a lot of... Uh, airtime, but I, I just feel like he's the he's the one figure at that club that like truly believes that they're capable of winning things and and achieving uh, the goals that you know they they claim to have, like winning the league and challenging in the Champions League and and reaching the same sort of profile as Liverpool and and, and City. They're not they're obviously not going to do it this year. But if they can have just even a little bit more luck with injuries, they had probably the worst luck with injuries last year. I'm saying that as a Chelsea fan, we saw plenty of our own. But, you know, they had big spells this season without Kane, without Son. Uh, they probably wouldn't have gotten Europa League if not for the uh, 
if not for the the, the break due to COVID-19, because there was, uh, same with United, there were a lot of very key players missing for them that once they had them back in June and July to play, they uh, were able to make a late push for the Europa League qualification. So I, I think Tottenham are going to be up and around there, and I'm pretty concerned about uh, them and United challenging Chelsea for the, the 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 top four, those last two top four places. I even thought of Wolves and Leicester before you guys. I, I'm sorry, like you guys are you're good, but yeah, these, I don't. Th- th- you can hype up your two young center backs all you want, but they're two young center backs, and young is not like a, the ideal trait you want for your center back. Uh, Pairings, I wouldn't so. put money on it, but I'm going to have enough faith. But you're in, an Arsenal fan, yeah. yeah I and it. I would, ha- I'm going to have enough faith in our manager, who's completely changed the look of the team, who has made players come from the you know death, who you would have never thought. Like I never thought Mustafi should ever play for Arsenal again under Emery, and then Arteta's completely switched him around to the point where you know at the end of the season before he got hurt, he was our best center back. Which is crazy to say, and I just believe in in what he's doing and in the project and, and the way that he's you know maneuvered. We got Danny Ceballos back on loan for this year. I think that's big. I think having him, having another very good midfield signing that I'm sure we're going to get, I think that's going to change the look of the team. I th- I don't think it's going to be the same Arsenal that you've seen in the last few years. If you get Partey, I'll allow them into the conversation. But yeah, I think it's if we, until then, if we I, don't I get either of those players ahead of you. Sure. If we don't get either of those players, then I don't think we're going to make top four. So uh, it's contingent on getting one of those two uh, or both somehow. But if we get both, we're making top four. I don't give a shit. But OK, so enough of the mid table clubs. Let's move on to uh, relegation real quick. Who do you think is getting relegated? Fulham, Aston Villa. And I think the, the, in, in this order. Maybe Villa bottom. No, Fulham bottom, Villa 19th, and then I'm between West Ham and Crystal Palace for that last spot. Really? Yeah. I I agree with you, Fulham. Leeds, I think, are a lock to stay down. Oh, it could be Leeds, too, down. yeah. I just think that their um, ambition and, that they're showing then, in the transfer window, like they're going to get a couple more good signings this season. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. The, I mean, literally literally just because of the Rodrigo signing, but we haven't heard that much other than that. Villa, I feel like I've done enough to, you know, they're, I think they're going to stay. They got their striker and that Ollie Watkins kid who scored a bunch for Brentford last season. I think they made um, a bid for Julian Draxler from PSG. Yeah, but I mean, until that actually goes through, like, no, I know, until but I if, see Julian Draxler if, if they decide him, to trade yeah. in living in Paris to living in Leeds, right. I'm not going to believe that. Uh, so, okay, my locks are uh, Fulham, Leeds, and then I'm like, I, I really want to make it a lock, but I made Newcastle a lock last year and regretted it. So I'll just say I think West Ham are going down because they made zero signings and there are very strong rumors that Chelsea might even go and get Declan Rice. Well, no, this and window. apparently they're in they're in big financial trouble. They they signed a whole bunch of players on really high wages that are still there that are not performing, and they can't really sign yeah. anyone right now. They have to sell players to to even yeah. you know I think keep up with financial fair play. So I don't I don't see them. I see them being near that relegation zone. They barely squeaked out at the end of this last season. I think if Aston Villa do go get a goalkeeper, they go get Emmy Martinez, which is which has been rumored that they've they've now put in a couple bids for him. I think that would change a little bit. I think that would be a very big signing for them. 
Well, did you hear what I said about they, they went out and just recently, I think earlier today, they signed uh, Ollie Watkins, the striker from Brentford. And it's kind of a risky one because he's like a high performing championship striker who scored like 28 goals last year at 23 years old um, and played for Brentford, I believe, under Dean Smith when he was uh, manager there the year before. So, you know, there's some familiarity there. He could answer some of the goal scoring problems they have. I'm sure they've got Wesley coming back sometime soon from his uh, his injury that kept him out for the past eight months or whatever it was. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like the fact that there's no more Grealish rumors or anything. He's been priced out of any club wanting to go buy him. So he's staying. And uh, with Grealish there, I mean, that's a better player than any of those other teams uh, down in that like relegation battle have. I mean, apart from maybe like Rodrigo or someone. But yeah, we, I think we we mentioned briefly that Fulham had signed Alphonse Ariola, the French goalkeeper from PSG on a season long. It's a loan. decent one, too. Yeah, but I don't think that saves their defense. Um, it, it, it's an extra notch up in quality that I, I, Fulham aren't going to be we, able to pull off We did off not mention that they did get Mario Lamina, style. and that's going to be a good bit of steel that they can put in the midfield there. I, again, I don't think again, it's going to be enough to Lamina, save them, but it's a decent signing. Lamina was playing significant minutes in Southampton's midfield when they were almost getting relegated, so... I kind of soured on him during the time at Southampton. So, I, I mean, yeah, that's another Premier League experienced player, I guess. But I, I think Southampton I think losing uh, Hoiberg and Lamina, I expect them to go and make uh, at least one or two midfield signings, right? I mean, they they sold Lamina a year or two ago to some uh, Turkish club. He hasn't been there for a while. But Hoiberg, yeah, they'll need they'll need a replacement. Gotcha. So what were your what were your locked in relegation picks? Well, not locked in, but yeah. you know, if you had I to mean, guess right now, now it's Fulham, Villa, West Ham. Fulham, Villa, West Ham. For some reason, okay, I think Leeds are going to stay up. I think they're going to invest a lot of money, and and they have a very good manager. So I think okay. I think that he he'll make the difference. They're going to be in the relegation battle for sure, but I kind of have those other teams. Yeah, I'll say Fulham lock. lock. Leeds are a lock, and uh, West Ham. I feel like I'll, Villa I'll could stay up and could switch with Leeds if if they make the right signings. So they're not a lock for me. I think the only lock is Fulham, and maybe even West Ham right now. Okay, so there's not many games this weekend to like really dive into and analyze because there's a lot of you know uh, weird situations going on. We're not sure like exactly which players are going to play. There are some lingering injuries from the end of last season and from some preseason friendlies and international games recently that will keep certain players out. But that Fulham Arsenal game to get us started on Saturday is most likely going to be an absolute goal fest. Like if you guys don't win like four nil or three nil, then you should be very disappointed in yourselves. I'm not even, I don't even think Fulham will be able to do anything. I think it should just be Arsenal tearing Fulham to shreds. Uh, the Liverpool Leeds game should be a very open attacking end to end game, but will probably end in like a five two Liverpool or something. So definitely watch that as well. Uh, and then I'd say the last game that you really need to watch this weekend is the Tottenham Everton game. Uh, where, again, I'm not sure whether that midfield three of Hamas Rodriguez, Abdoulaye Decore, and uh, Allen are going to start for Everton. But even if not, there's uh, it's probably one of the more intriguing. Uh, matchups of the weekend of the most uh, evenly matched teams. So that Tottenham Everton Everton game is going to be Sunday at 11:30 a.m. 
uh, and the uh, Fulham Arsenal game will start off the weekend's action Saturday at 7.30 a.m. Did you want to uh, mention anything about any of the games this weekend? Or? No, I mean, I think you kind of you kind of hit the nail on the head there. There isn't a lot we can predict in these games, or there isn't too much we can talk about. We don't know what the starting lineups are going to be for the most part. I mean, I can probably tell you what Arsenal... I, I can't even tell you what Arsenal's starting lineup is, because David Luiz is out for six weeks, so I don't know if it's going to be like a back three of Gabriel, Saliba, and Holding... Uh, Mustafi's also still out hurt, so I don't know. I'm very curious to see what happens. I, I really do hope I get to see both of them debut. That'd be awesome. Fulham is probably you know a pretty easy game to start them off against. And, uh, yeah, that would be what would excite me this weekend is to see those two Arsenal players playing. So, And William, William God. I'm, I'm sure you're William, excited. Yeah. I'm sure you're excited to see, like, you know, most likely Dude, Ziyech. You have, you have no idea. Werner, supposedly, yeah. Supposedly Havertz might even start. I'm going to be excited to, no, to watch the we Chelsea We have no game. other healthy wingers Pulisic's except back. for uh, Hudson-Odoi. Pulisic is back, but Frank might just bring him off the bench just to be careful. So I'm, I'm thinking it's probably going to be like Werner, Havertz on the right, uh, Hudson-Odoi on the left, and then a midfield three of N'Golo Kante, uh, Kovacic, and Mason Mount. Which still gets me so excited. Like I'm very excited to see that team work. And Timo Werner, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have enough words. That's the problem with all these signings. I, there's too many thoughts going through my head um, to really get out there. But, you know, I'm looking forward to the game. It'll be Monday uh, evening, so we'll probably try and record again around then. Uh, we're going to throw it out, actually, to uh, Andrew now, who has a couple of uh, preseason bets he wants to throw out. So, Javier, thank you for jumping on and doing a little Premier League preview uh, with me. Uh, good luck to Arsenal this weekend. Try not to beat Fulham too badly. Go, e- go easy on no, them. No, no, we got we to uh, spank and, them, uh, At least 3-0. <laughs> and uh, until next time, see you. Hey, guys, it's Andrew here. Unfortunately, wasn't able to be on the main part of the podcast, just scheduling... NFL obviously kicking off right around now, so life is pretty busy as they say. So I'm going to give you guys a couple predictions for the year for me. Obviously, I'll do my top four, Golden Boot, Relegation. As a special, I've got a couple futures that I like that I will throw out to you guys. One out of league, a couple in league. Using a different betting site, by the way. I usually use FanDuel. That's usually my go-through. However, I recently discovered that DraftKings has some decent odds, sometimes better than FanDuel. So I will be using some of those for those. I will give you those to start. So, uh, by the way, also, our Fantasy League is back. Alex just reminded me that that's going to be happening. So look out for a link on Twitter, Instagram, etc. We'll have all the info for there. We do it through the Premier League site. Very easy to set and do. I need to be better myself about monitoring this year. And Javier, as you guys know, is your expert. Uh, Feel free to DM him on Instagram for any tips and tricks. He probably won't give them to you, but at JavierRev9, at GhostGoldPod, at Andrew Passaro, at ASMoss92 for everybody's socials. Go ahead and follow along for the ride for the season. Obviously kicks off Saturday. Very excited. Leeds and Liverpool. So let's start with the bottom three. Three teams. I'm sending down two teams that just came back up. I love Leeds United. That they're back. I do not love Leeds United. Let's get that on the forefront. But I love that Leeds is back. However, uh, West Brom, I looked at what they've done in the transfer market so far, and obviously we still have about a month of transfers that could be done. And I do think that Slavin Bilic is going to build a better team. I think this is going to be a team that's tough to play. However, I just look at this team, and I, lo- I see a lot more championship-level players than Premier League players, and I don't know 
that this current squad is ready to handle and create enough goals. And yes, they'll certainly struggle against the teams in the top half of the table, but I'm I'm questioning about like how they're going to do against your Southamptons, how they're going to do against your Evertons, how they're going to do against your Crystal Palaces. If they can take some play, some games there, they'll stay up. I think I'm going to have them in 18th place. Uh, next team is also another uh, promoted team that's Fulham. The last time Fulham came up, they just dropped a bunch of money on the offensive side of the ball, not a bunch on the defensive half. And I know they just signed Ariola from PSG on loan, which I like. They they brought in a couple players that I'm like impressed with here and there. But again, I look at this as a roster that they got hot at the end of the season in the championship. They got promoted, and I see them going right back down. I think I'm gonna have them in 19th. And my last place team, a lot of people are gonna say Newcastle right here, and. I think Newcastle have enough Premier League level players to scrounge out a 17th place finish. And the team that I'm going to finish in the bottom is another team that's been in the in the Premier League for a while here now. And I think they're going to be the first team to fire their manager. And that's West Ham. Uh, this team finished barely scraped by and finished in the top half and, and high enough on the, on the table to stay in the Premier League last year. But I've been, they still haven't signed like a real striker option. They had issues last year with Haller. They have players who can create goals in Lanzini if he's healthy ever, and obviously they're obviously you have Felipe Anderson who I love and I think will get picked up by a player, picked up by a team as soon as they get relegated. Um, but I just I don't see enough from this team to stay up, and I know that there's rumors about Chelsea and Declan Rice. I know that there's other players who they will be linked to, but I, I'm very unimpressed with this team I wasn't impressed with them last year and I think they're going to get relegated and I think it could be bad I think that there's a couple players that get injured on this team and they fall apart pretty quickly so that's my three teams going down West Brom Fulham and West Ham let's jump over we'll do I'm going to save my top four for last we'll get to I don't know if we officially did our golden boot winner but for golden boot uh, I'm, there's three favorites on FanDuel right now. Harry Kane at plus 550, most a lot the same, and Pierre Emmerich Aubameyang also at 550. I think that's evil, equal value on all three of those guys. I really like any of them. Aubameyang, to me, might be the smartest pick, especially at that value, because you look at Harry Kane and you look at Salah, and both of them, Harry Kane maybe not as much, but Salah definitely is going to lose out goals to Sadio Mane and Firmino, and he's going to lose out on some of those penalties to Milner or whoever else is on the pitch that can take penalties for Liverpool, where Aubameyang is going to take all of those for Arsenal. And yes, Lacazette also plays striker, but for the most part, Aubameyang scores a lot of Arsenal's goals, so I think that's mathematically probably your safest choice, especially if you're betting on this. But I don't think taking a guy like Salah, who didn't finish in the top, uh, I don't think taking a guy like Salah is a bad is bad value, especially when... He missed out on making Team of the Year last year. He is going to be a guy who wants to prove to everyone that he is the best player in the league again. So I don't think taking Salah is that bad of value. Aguero is at plus 1,000. We know he's only won it once, but he's going to score a ton of goals. Vardy at plus 1,800. I don't think you're going to see him... uh, I don't think you're going to see him score the same amount of goals as he did last year. I just don't. Uh, Timo Werner at plus 850. I would stay away from that. I, I Look, he's coming into a new league. He's adjusting to new teammates. Chelsea as a whole are a team that are going to be building an entirely new team together right now. So I don't like Timo Werner to win Golden Boot this year. Could he win it in the Premier League eventually? Absolutely. Uh, Raheem Sterling plus 1600. If you're feeling bold and you're you're a Raheem Sterling fan, throw a couple dollars on that because that'll make you a lot. Sadio Mane at plus eighteen hundred. Again, you know he had the most goals I think for Liverpool last year. That's great value I think, especially plus eighteen hundred. Um, but for me, I'm going to go back to Salah. Look, I'm the Liverpool fan on this podcast, so I have to you know plant the flag and I'm going to say most Salah comes back and 
and wins the Golden Boot again this year, his third in the Premier League. But I wouldn't be shocked to see him and, and Aubameyang split it again. So look out for that. And let's get to the business, which is top four. Oh, by the way, uh, we'll do futures after this. Uh, bottom uh, top four. And when I was putting this together, there's a bunch of teams I like up at the top. So uh, it was tough to really put this list together, especially with the way things have you know been playing out through the season and I really had to it wasn't just four teams to pick out because obviously you have the six like big players between Liverpool City United Chelsea uh, Arsenal Spurs but you have the other teams that are going to be competing for those top spots and that's obviously Wolves Leicester and Everton have made a splash in transfers over the last few weeks bringing in James Rodriguez and Ducore and obviously Allen totally refitting their midfield which you know I don't know how it's going to come together, but I'll, I'm going to give you my top nine of all of those teams, and we'll go from bottom to top. Uh, if you if you know where I'm going to go at the end, we all know it. Let's just, you know, come on. Uh, Everton, I have them finishing at ninth. I, I think this team is going to play well during the season, but I have bigger questions about Allen and Decore. Yes, round out the midfield perfectly for Everton, but the back line, I have questions about the front line. Can uh, Calvert-Lewin score as many goals as he did last year? What's going on with their Charleston? Where are they going to play Hamas Rodriguez? They're bringing Hamas like the week of the Premier League starting, so he's probably not going to play right away. Where does he fit? I have more questions than answers about Everton right now, which is why I can't pick them high up. And then I go to Leicester, and I like Leicester a lot, and I know they've just lost Ben Chilwell. I know they've made a couple signings that I like, but I just look at this team. They fell apart, you know, Things they, things fell apart in the second half of the season for them. That's a Brendan Rodgers staple. We'll see if he can steer this ship back. Obviously, they're going to be competing in Europa League. Maybe they make that a priority. I think the biggest thing for Leicester would be, for the year, would probably be finishing in the top six and either winning Europa, winning a League Cup, or an FA Cup. I think those are the three things that they should be priorities on. Those are, those are three things that they can do with it. That three things that they can do. But if they finish eighth and they go in a long cup run, I think that's still a, uh, a decent year for them. They would obviously love to be playing European football. All right, and then we get to seventh. And this I struggled with this, and in fact, I just flip-flopped my picks. And I'm going to go with Spurs here. Uh, this means that Arsenal obviously finish above Spurs for the first time in a few years. And think Marie, I, I'm, I've struggled with Spurs. I don't know where to put them. There was a moment where it's like, do I think they can finish in the top four? Do I think that they'll finish in the top six? But right now, I have them finishing on the outside. And I just don't know what Mourinho is going to do with this squad. If they're healthy, they can play with anybody on their day. But the way that Mourinho is making them play, I don't know if they're there yet. And I know this is a shorter season than last year. This is a shorter season than most years. And I just I have questions about mentality with this team. And I don't I just I'm just not buying what Jose Mourinho is selling right now. And I think if Harry Kane is healthy and can score 25 goals, then, hey, you know what? Maybe they finish in the top four. And I I, I did like bringing in uh, – they, they obviously brought in that midfielder from Southampton, Pierre-Emerick Hoiberg, which I liked a lot. I think he's going to add something to their midfield that, that wasn't there before. They obviously lose they, – they keep Toby Alderweireld, but um, Jan Vertagen leaves. This is a team that I just – I don't – I don't know what's going on, and and look, there's there's a lot of talent on this team from Los Celso to to, to Jensen Fernandez to Steven Bergvine. Like I I don't I didn't like the Mourinho's the hiring for them for a long term thing, but maybe he turns these some of these guys into his own. And uh, again, I I think with with Tottenham the same should be said for them. Goal for the season should be a long run in Europe and a long cup run. And if Mourinho can win them a trophy in any capacity. That's better than finishing the top four. It's just a reality. So, um, 
they did obviously sign Matt Doherty from from Wolves, which I kind of liked. I think he is a really solid player. Uh, can play it right back for them, which was a, definitely a need. But again, I look at this team and it's like, I just look at them as, as an underachiever. And hopefully they go on a long run, maybe win an FA Cup, win a League Cup, something. We've seen Mourinho do it with uh, with players, with, with squads comparable to this. Like, you can't look at this team and tell me that they're that much better or that much worse than the Manchester United team that he won the Europa League with and won, I think they won, uh, the other one an FA Cup or League Cup, but one of those two. This is a comparable squad to that. When you look up and down, fine, there's no Paul Pogba and and uh, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic, but uh, there there is a Harry Kane and there's Hinman Son and you know there, there's still other very good players on this team. So we'll, we'll see what happens with them. So that was seventh place, which then leads me to sixth, and that's again a team that I love. And if you know, if you listen to this pod for a while, you know that I love betting on them. That's Wolves. Uh, they, they made some interesting signings. They, they go back to the Portuguese well, but for the most part that has benefited them. I, I still love, um, I still love their striker in, uh, Raul Jimenez, who's at plus 3000 to win the golden boot, by the way. So maybe, maybe throw a dollar on that one and see what happens. That'll win you 30 bucks. Uh, but look, this is a team that went deep in Europa. went not super deep, but went Played in Europa last year, played well, has a lot of Premier League experience at this point, and I, I, I just love watching them, and I, I think they are continuing to grow. I know that they want to be playing in the Champions League after this season, and they're close, but I don't think they're there just yet, and that leads me to Arsenal. And I think, look, uh, this bump that I'm giving Arsenal, this is probably the most respect I've given Arsenal on this podcast in a long time, and it's 100% because of Mikel Arteta. Watching him organize this team, he's done a good job of preventing teams from getting into open space against them. There's some really young talent um, on this team that that I think he will build um, around really well. Obviously, you have Martinelli, you have uh, Enketia, uh, you have a couple other players that are, are really good players that we've seen Arteta to get the most out of but I, I they're not done with this the summer and you know if they can make Nicolas Pepe into some more of the player that he was when he was in France then yeah absolutely this is a really good team and bringing back Ceballos was a great low, great piece for their midfield I think they're going to move on from guys like Torreira and Matteo Guendouzi but they're going to try to bring in Thomas Party. like there this is a team that's getting better all the time you now have Saliba and Gabriel uh, to play in the back line, which is once they get settled, that's a much better back line than playing David Luiz and Socrates or Callum Chambers or insert other bad player there. And I, I think there's still two or three players away from a Champions League team, but this is going to be a team that you know can stay can can compete this year and isn't going to get necessarily blown out all the time. And the biggest thing I'd be worried about if Arsenal fan, if I'm an Arsenal fan, is Kieran Tier- uh, Tierney's health. We've seen him struggle with the injuries before. If he gets hurt, it's going to be a major blow for them. We'll see also if they can hang on to um, Hector Bayerin, who's now been linked to moves away from Arsenal, including, including potentially PSG. I like Arsenal a lot, just not top four. And that's where we get to our top four. And uh, breaking news, my top four is the same top four as what finished last year, actually in order. So I have Chelsea finishing in fourth place. I love the a lot of the moves that they've made this offseason. The problem is that they didn't have a proper preseason to like get all these guys in. And fine, Hakeem Ziyech has been here a while, and Timo Werner's been here a while. But that you know, and yes, scoring goals was part of the issue last year for Chelsea. But the bigger issues was the backline organization. And if Frank can't figure that out, 
that's going to be a problem. And I think there's going to be stretches where they can't figure it out. And I think, you know, you can't rely on playing Tiago Silva every single week. We're not sure if Malang Sar is even going to be playing for the first team this year. I, I personally didn't personally, I was surprised that the Tamori went out to Everton because I personally think that he's probably better than than some of the other defenders that they have right now. We'll see. Look, I love Andreas Christensen. I would actually take him at Liverpool. I think Klopp could figure him out. Um, but I, I don't know what they're doing with that back line. And what's going on with Kepa is a whole other question of, of I, I yes, that's a mess. And I, I still think that they can finish top four. I think this team is going to be very similar to that 16, 17, 17, 18 team under Klopp that went on just like a tear of scoring a billion goals, but uh, couldn't actually defend at all. So I think we're going to see a lot of Chelsea overs this year, which I'm excited for. So look out for that one. But I think they might be able to break into the top four and it'll be very close between Chelsea and Arsenal. Their, their games this year are going to be must watch. I'm very excited about that. We get to third, we come to with United. And I know that there's still the rumors that they're going to sign Jaden Sancho. And obviously they'd sign Danny, uh, Donnie Vanderbeek uh, from Manchester United. I think that's a great signing for them. The question with United is still defense for me. Um, obviously, David Gea made a bunch of howlers last year, and they bring back Teen Anderson on, on loan. I think he is going to win the job by the end of the season. However, Harry Maguire is a good defender. Don't really, not sure who's playing next to him that I really, really love because it's not Lindelof, it's not Baye, it's certainly not Phil Jones. Uh, it's definitely not Marcus Rojo. Aaron Wan-Bissaka, really like him at right back. Luke Shaw, okay at left back. They are looking at, at a left back from Real Madrid. Hasn't been finalized yet. This this Manchester United team, I think, is going to play well. But I have major questions about if... like I don't think they're really at Manchester United... Or I don't think they're at Manchester City or Liverpool's level yet. I don't. I still think they're 10-plus points back. I, I really do. And that's... Just a reality. I think there's, you know, of this nine teams that I'm laying out right now, there's three different races. There's the race of Everton, Leicester, Spurs, and Wolves for sixth. There's the race between Arsenal, Chelsea, and United for three through five. And there's the race between City and Liverpool for the top. Um, And let's get to City real quick because, yes, they went and grabbed Ferran Torres. They grabbed Nathan Ake. They still might grab uh, Koulibaly from, from Napoli. Cool, great moves for them. They're still light at left back. They're still, in my opinion, a team that, in my opinion, is going to be a little mentally weak coming into the season based on what Pep did and doubting himself in the in the Champions League. I still think that this is an incredible team. They'll be better than they were last year, especially if they get Koulibaly. But I don't know. For some reason, last year was the most exposed I think Pep's ever looked since he was at Manchester City. And uh, they look shaky and they, I don't know. I I just, I think Liverpool can win back-to-back titles uh, mainly because Klopp, you know, for the most part, didn't have to make major changes and they're going to go and add a couple players still, I think. um, We'll get to that in a minute, but I look at the city team and it's like, they're very good, but I still have questions about how it all comes together, how they get back to being, elite team they are going to start later into the year as will Manchester United because of their late runs in the Champions and Europa League respectively but that just means that they're going to have a lot of double game weeks and fine City has a lot of players to, to you know that they can rotate in and out but I don't know I, I just I think this team is still not not necessarily missing a player because they certainly have all the talent in the world but I think they're missing something 
and I think it's mentality and or like they're going to focus on the primary on the Champions League once that comes back. I, I think winning a Premier League is great for them and they'll want to take it back from Liverpool, but I don't see this team going on a tear in the Premier League. I see them playing well and then trying to focus on Champions League again. And obviously there's still questions about Pep Guardiola's future. So I think there's, again, I don't know. I'm not going to say that Man City's out of it and that Liverpool walked the league again. I think this year's league comes down to four or five points. And I just like Liverpool again. I think consistently they've been better. They haven't struggled with injuries in a while. Klopp brought in a new team doctor and brought in a new uh, nutritionist, which has helped Liverpool immensely. Uh, I look at they, the only really pressing move that I was begging Liverpool to make was to sign a left back, and they did. Yeah, he's got COVID right now, but we needed him more for later in the season. Andy Robertson can handle a couple weeks. Trent Alexander-Arnold's the best right back in the league, and you still have a front three that scored a ton of goals last year. And I, I liked what they've done with Minamino in the preseason. And playing him kind of as a left winger and dropping into more of a 4-2-3-1. I think Naby Cates has played well, and I think he's going to be kind of become that. He's going to push maybe Jordan Henderson or Wijnaldum if he stays out of the midfield. And they still may bring in Thiago. I, I, I like this team a lot. I still think this team is built. I think we're to win. I think they're right in that radius where they could repeat as champions of England. All right, guys. And then let's get to some futures that I like. Uh Liverpool to win the title right now is at plus 190 on FanDuel. It's at plus 225 over on DraftKings. If you, like me, like Liverpool to win the title, the other thing, too, is Manchester City's at minus money right now to win the, win the title. So if you like Liverpool to win the league like I do, you go take them there. Um, I have Trent Alexander-Arnold to win the most assists in the league at plus 900. You can get De Bruyne at good money that's on FanDuel. But the thing about De Bruyne, the reason I'm taking Trent and uh, the next player after him, I think, is Bruno Fernandez, and I think that's a good shout, too. But uh, one of the reasons that I like Trent is just I think he continues to play well and get a bunch of assists from that from his current position. But, like, if for some reason the Bruyne gets injured, then Trent could absolutely have the most assists in the league. I don't, I don't think that's really knocking up the wrong thing. Uh, and then the two that I have out of league for futures that I kind of want to take a flyer on, Barcelona to win the title is at plus 130 on FanDuel and plus 150 on DraftKings. Um, I know we've talked about the way they've struggled um, of late on this podcast, but uh, the idea of Messi just going out and balling out in his last potential year for Barcelona and walking away with a title in his hand, um, I would bet on that. I would I would indeed bet on that. Um, and then the other one I have is Valencia to get relegated from La Liga, and that's at plus 650. They have sold off almost all of their major pieces. They are in a lot of trouble financially right now, um, including the the owner not being able to play players, and this is all due to COVID, unfortunately. Um, so I'm taking some money on that. Now, I am going to be betting every single Premier League game this weekend. I have all my bets picked out. I'll be shooting a video later this week. It'll go up on our Instagram at some point on Friday. So look out for that. Um, well, I'll give you all my picks. Uh, shocking. I'm betting on Liverpool to win. Um, the other one I would look at, though, for that game that I'll give you a teaser on right now, Mo Salah has scored in every single opening day fixture for Liverpool um, that he's appeared in, which is the last three years. He is minus 170 to score any time right now, but he's plus 270 at first to score. So take a look at that. But again, I will give you picks on every single game. We'll have them on Instagram at GhostColdPod, at Andrew Passaro, at ASMOS92, and at Javier Rev9. And until uh, next time when I rejoin the guys... Come on.